If you have your Bible with you this morning, you can open it up to the passage that we have been looking at for most of the summer and will continue to look at Galatians 5, starting in verse 22, which should be pretty familiar territory for you now. I won't ask you if you can recite it, but I'm going to read 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This morning we're going to be talking about kindness. I don't know that Chris planned it this way. I don't think he did. But I suspect that if you gave my close friends and family a list of the fruit of the Spirit and asked them which one it was that I would be most well qualified to speak about, kindness may not make the list at all. It certainly wouldn't be at the top and probably would be close to the bottom. I tell you that for two reasons. Number one, my father tells me that confession is good for the soul, and I figure if you're going to preach, you might as well have a good soul. And secondly, to let you know that everything that I say this morning, I come to you as someone that doesn't have it all figured out, as someone that needs to hear the words that God will say this morning, probably not just as much as you, but probably more than you. And so I come to you with an attitude of humility, admitting on the front end that this is something of which I struggle with and that I, myself, need the work of the Spirit. And so, since we've now established that I have no idea what I'm talking about and have absolutely zero credibility to speak about this, why don't we go talk to somebody that can and let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the fact that you love us and that you do, in spite of all of our failures and struggles, bring us to a place of teaching us in our weakness, Lord. And so I pray right now that you would speak through me, that you would empty me of myself and that you would allow your words to come forth. Pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and help us to take the words that we hear, your words, and to allow them to sink in, to permeate, and to make a difference that we can take them beyond this room and actually apply them to our lives and have them make a difference. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer. Amen. I figure that if we're going to talk about kindness, we might as well start out and actually define what the word means. Seems like a good place to start. And I kind of feel like kindness is one of those things where you have a sort of general nebulous idea of what kindness is, and you kind of know it if you see it. But if somebody comes up to you and says, Can you define kindness? You kind of look at them and go, um, yeah, well, it's, you know, when somebody's kind to you. 
and all of that, and they're nice, and they're kind. It's, it's being kind. So I figured we would start just kind of looking at what is kindness. And the, and the first part that we look at here is that it's the quality of being helpful or beneficial. And the idea that we get out of this is that you perform an action or do something for someone that doesn't necessarily benefit yourself, but benefits them in some way. You, you may not necessarily gain any advantage from whatever you have done. So it's the quality of being helpful or beneficial. And then we can add to that and build on that the qualities of goodness, generosity, sympathy, understanding, and a favorable disposition. You know, like all the qualities that everybody at the DMV has. But the idea, again, is that there's somebody there, goodness, generosity, again, doing something not for yourself, sympathy, feeling somebody's pain, something that hasn't necessarily happened to you, but reaching out to them, understanding, a favorable disposition, somebody that's approachable, someone that you feel like that you could actually come up and talk to them and they wouldn't actually bite your head off and you're not afraid to speak to them, but you actually make it a smile and a warm response. And so we have all of those things. And we can add to that, further expounding on this, the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. And I think as we sort of flesh this out, we begin to see that the idea of humility, of recognizing others as more important than yourself, is very important in the idea of kindness. And then, look at the last component, compassionate and forgiving. Living a life of love. We think about the Apostle Paul and what he says about it in Ephesians 4, 32. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And there I think we hit on the central tenet of kindness that we want to understand for this morning. And when we look at the word kindness in the original language, there's a sense that there's two components to it, two senses of it, and the way that Paul uses it throughout his epistles, and the way that it's used in the greater, wider New Testament. And as you'll see on your outline, that there's God's kindness to us, and then our kindness to others. So the kindness of God towards humans, and then the kindness of humans to one another. And so to understand God's kindness to us, we're going to look at what we used in our assurance of pardon in Titus. We're going to start back a little further and look in Titus 3, starting in verse 3. If you want to flip over to Titus, it's towards the back of the New Testament, 
This is a pro tip for you, by the way. The T books of the New Testament are in alphabetical order. Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. That'll help you out, help you find Titus. If you hit Hebrews, you went too far, go back. Titus 3, starting in verse 3, reading through verse 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when, our, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And as we look at this, the sense of God's kindness towards us as human beings, we see three sections here. We see what we were, we see what God did, and then we see what we became. And so I want to take just a second and kind of break those down a little bit. We look at, and as Paul's writing to Titus here, we look at the point of what we were. It's a pretty good list there. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved. Not really things that you want to put at the top of your resume of character traits that you possess in abundance. And yet, each and every one of us we're there, and some of us are still there, enslaved in our sin. And the idea is that we're stuck in our sin, and yet we're loving every single second of it. We have no sense of how dirty and terrible you are. We went hiking out in Oak Mountain yesterday with some friends, and um, one of our friends, she brought her dog, and there was a big mud puddle. And our dog, being gracious and well-behaved and the best dog on the planet, promptly went around the mud puddle. And our friend's dog, Izzy, went right through it and splashed mud everywhere. And then he came back and went through it again. And then he rolled around in it for a little bit. And then he tried to splash it on our dog. And the idea is that he had no idea. I mean, he was just a dog just having some fun in a mud puddle. He didn't realize and wasn't thinking that he was going to be dirty and then he was going to get back in our car and then he was going to rub it on our dog and then we were going to have to clean him and it was going to be horrible and he was going to keep rushing. I mean, no, none of that. He was just a dog there getting muddy, enjoying it. Had no, no idea that he needed to clean off or anything. And before God pours out His grace on us, that's where each one of us is, stuck in our sin, wallowing around in this mud puddle, getting dirtier by the second, and having no regard for the future, for what comes next, or any of that. Just loving every second of it, totally unconcerned. Thinking there's no problems. That's where we were. 
stuck in our sin. But then he goes on. Thankfully, by the grace of God, he doesn't leave us there. And so what God did, he saved us. And he saved us in loving kindness. Think back to what we just talked about, the definition of kindness. Not doing something for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. God didn't save you because he has good taste. God didn't save you because he needed you. God didn't save you because he, you bring something to the table that he just had to have. God didn't save any one of us because of anything that we did, because we were so righteous, because we deserved it, for any of those reasons. No, God saved us because of His loving kindness. The kindness that He has, that He possesses, that He is. That is why God saved us. Totally and completely unmerited, The very picture of grace, how we understand grace. That God did not allow us to stay foolish, disobedient, hated and hating. But instead, by the work of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, poured out on us. His righteousness. And He did that through His kindness. That is what God did. And so, what we were and what God did are there, and now we look at what we became. And as Paul tells us, we became heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And it's fascinating that he would choose the word heirs there because typically when you hear the word heir and someone is spoken of as an heir, you don't really hear that somebody is the heir to an 87 Chevy Nova and a stack of old magazines. No. Usually when someone is an heir, they are an heir to something that is valuable, something that holds great worth, the heir to the throne, the heir to the empire, the heir to great wealth. And so that gives us the sense that what we have become are heirs, adopted children, who, not because of anything that we've done, but because of God's kindness towards us, God reaching outside of himself, to reach out towards us, He has allowed us to experience this value. But it's not just that we have this eternal life. Yes, we do look forward to that. And yes, the time that we get to go to heaven and see face to face and stand there with every tribe and every nation and every tongue and enjoy perfect communion and fellowship with God And to be there for all of eternity. Yes, that is incredible. And we should look forward to that. But we also, we don't just focus on that. There's an earthly component to this as well. 
God used Jesus to show us kindness. And God wants us to use kindness to show Jesus to the world. Think about that. God has shown us kindness. And so now then, we should turn around. And rather than taking that for granted, and rather being like a spoiled child and saying, yeah, I deserve that. It's been a long time coming. Where were you on that one? But instead, it should now free us to say, someone has given me something out of the kindness of their heart that I didn't deserve. And so now... I should turn around and offer that kindness to others. And so our kindness to others now comes into play. When we think about this, when we think about how exactly will that play out? Well, again, Paul, offering us some words of wisdom in Colossians, in chapter 3, 12 through 14, says, Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony." think kindness, in one sense, is living in upright relations with others. Not allowing a feud to fester and go on. Not giving somebody the cold shoulder because of something that they did ten days ago, ten months ago, ten years ago. But instead, even if they don't come to you, forgiving them. And that's a hard thing to do. Loving people. And not just loving people and being kind to people that are easy to be kind to. Your friends and the people that you like. Sure, that's, that's kindness, but that's sort of, I don't know, a lower level of kindness. I think true kindness, in the sense that we did not deserve kindness from God, is offering kindness to someone that maybe you think doesn't deserve it. Maybe a coworker that just knows your buttons and just drives you insane. And yet, you go out of your way to do something nice for them. Maybe it's a neighbor that always parks on your lawn and lets their dog bark at all hours of the night and never trims their hedges and never cleans up their trash. Maybe you offer them kindness by trimming their hedges and cleaning up their trash and doing that. Because you're probably not going to get much out of it. Yeah, maybe your you know, neighborhood may look a little bit nicer, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, really. So, kindness is reaching out to these people with no expectation of return. And if you're like me, you're sitting here thinking, well, that sounds real great in theory, but in practice, I don't really know that that would be something that 
I would want to do. And I've already admitted all of my sins up here and said, yes, kindness is something that I struggle with. But if we go back and we look at the passage in Galatians 5, Paul starts out that, and notice what he does not say. Paul doesn't say to us, but the fruit of trying harder is, but the fruit of doing it yourself is, but the fruit of how to be a better person in just three days is, No, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit. So not to take any of the responsibility off of ourselves, and not to let you off the hook by any means, but if you're sitting here thinking, okay, that that might be a little too much to manage, you're right, it is. Left to our own devices, we are sinful and foolish, and deceived, and hating, and hated. And yet, God will pour out His Spirit on us. So how do we get that? Well, we allow God to work in our lives. And we do that by cultivating time with Him and time with other believers. Time with Him through prayer and Bible study. Time with other believers, by time spent fellowshipping, talking, being honest with one another and saying to each other, hey, my neighbor is driving me insane. I really don't want to offer them kindness. Can you encourage me and pray for me so that I can do something in the work and the power of the Holy Spirit and not of myself? And I know that those are very Sunday school answer cliche things to say and to leave you with. But there's a reason why those things have become cliche and Sunday school pat answers. Because that's where truly we can cultivate the fruit of the Spirit is through time spent individually and corporately praying in the Word and fellowshipping with one another. And so, as a result of the kindness that God has shown to us in Christ Jesus, we should show kindness to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much that You loved us enough to show kindness to us, to reach out and pour Your Spirit on us, to wash and regenerate and save us, through the person of Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. And I pray right now as we think about what that means in each one of our lives, as we think about what it means to turn our lives over to Christ, I pray that You would help us to be able to also see the opportunities that we have to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, Father. That You would send Your Spirit on us so that we would be able to come to a place where we can show Jesus Christ, to the world because of the love that You have shown to us, because of the kindness that You have shown to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen.